it is pornographic materials in school in erotica, which studies show can be even worse. And so we are on a mission to get policies passed to help parents remove the really explicit, vulgar books from school libraries that our tax dollars are paying for. Welcome to Coffee, Culture, and the Capital with Sophia and Greg. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back. Here we have myself and Greg as usual, but we also have a special guest with us. We have Karen England. She is the president of Capital Resource Institute, as well as she is the kitchen table activist. We have some really exciting things to get into. There is some crazy stuff going on in public schools and in your children libraries that you're probably a little aware of, but might not be aware of the extent that it's going on. But before we get into that, we want to make sure you're all aware about how we know Karen and how much we've been able to do with her in the past. And so we have had two major lobby days um, since the end of COVID, actually. One of the first ones was right after COVID and the Capitol was reopening, and they said it was one of the biggest things they've seen happen recently at the Capitol. So Karen, if you want to share a little bit about that AB2223 lobby day, as well as our parents' rights lobby day we had just this year. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you both, Greg and Sophia. And I love Citizen Lobby Days, as you know. It's something I've been doing for about 25 years after attending my very first one. So we did one. We had a coalition of us do a Citizen Lobby Day for AB 2223. And if you'll remember, we put that together in like less than a week or 10 days. And we had over 3,000 people come to the Capitol to not just go to a press conference and rally, but they came to find out how can we advocate for what we believe with legislators. So many people want to advocate, but they think that that lobbying is some mysterious thing. And so it was a great event. We were able to co-host with you guys. And then we did another one this year. And same result, people were just buzzing about it, gave them the confidence to then engage in their, in their government. And anyway, love working with you guys and collaborating to equip the grassroots, which is really what we, we wanna do. We, we don't wanna have to do what we're doing, Sophia. We, we want citizens to be participating so that we don't have all of this bad stuff going on. Exactly, and Greg, you are someone that has worked as a staffer for those that are legislators in the Capitol, and now you are someone who works with California Family Council. So from your perspective, what is the importance of having these lobby days? What is the impact it has on the legislature? No, it has a huge impact. I mean, it's a very normal thing uh, working in the, in the legislature to have folks every day walking around to offices trying to make legislators uh, aware of the bills that they're concerned about. So it's not an unusual thing um, and it's very easy, right? Once you, once you figure out the ropes. And so it's, it's great having Karen, because Karen, she has been, uh, I mean, she started out, um, you know, being a concerned mom and didn't know anything and started coming to somebody else was organizing lobby days. And so she has been doing this for a really long time and she's really organized. That's why, we love working with her because um, she gathers everybody together when she gives them the basic instructions, right? We And then at these lobby days, I usually uh, talk about the bills themselves, you know, uh, what the bills do and 
um, uh, inform people about, you know, how bad they are. Uh, and then she organizes everybody into groups, right? So you have a, a group leader um, and you have a little packet uh, and you go to a, uh, a you're assigned to certain legislative offices and you show up and say, hey, we'd like to talk to you about this. And it's super organized. And so it's really it's really great when Christians, you know, I mean, you could just go up there and just kind of wing it, but when we're organized, uh, that makes a bigger impact. And so, and you, you hand a legislator something uh, or their staffer that lists out exactly what you're concerned about. And then, um, and then they'll have that to remember, even though they, they also hear about your stories and, and your concerns. So we love doing things with Karen. Uh, can I add something piggyback onto what Greg just said? Because as a staffer, and, and he said this, and we have found this as well, that of course the hallways are full of people who are lobbying every day. The difference when we all host with CFC and Real Impact, a citizen lobby day, it is not common that average citizens are not up there. The people that are up there walking the hallways have a financial investment. There's some sort of finance. They're part of the union or right. they are part of a... Um, technology company or you know there's some benefit to them financially and so the legislature they're not used to seeing everyday moms dads grandparents taxpayers come in and advocate for things so that's what really sets this apart and they are surprised and shocked and some of them are encouraged some of them will lock the door but the key is that we're equipping average citizens to combat what the paid lobbyists are doing. And that's what we should be doing in a government that requires our involvement. And people want to be involved, they just don't know how or what to do. And so that's why we love doing it and collaborating with you guys. Yeah, absolutely, it's it's a great time. And you know, something I always hear after people are trained by yourself, Karen, and by Greg, um, and go and do it, they always leave and say, wow, that was easier than I thought, or wow, I can do that again, because there's this thought that these legislators are these super high up people that are untouchable, but they're just normal people like we are. And so we need to be there and they need to hear from us. And so we saw a great result from the Parents Lobby Day this year. As we know, we had about five bills we were talking about that day. Governor Newsom did veto one of those. And so that was a great result. But not only have we worked with you and Capital Resource Institute on these lobby days and getting Californians aware of what's happening at the Capitol, we've seen a huge switch this year into focusing on the local levels, um, specifically school boards. We're seeing a lot going on. We worked really closely with you on the parent notification policy and getting that around. Um, Yourself, Karen, and Greg were both down there in Chino at the Chino Valley Unified School Board when you guys introduced that notification policy. But there's also another issue going around. We have posted a lot about it at California Family Council and reshared a lot of your stuff, Karen, on that. And it is the pornography in schools. So, you know, a lot of parents are kind of now aware there's pornography in schools, but they don't know what it is, how it happened, all of that. And so you've kind of this past year taken that up and done the research. And can you just maybe shine light to what you're doing and how people can become aware of all of that? Yes. Well, let me give a warning to all of your listeners and viewers that you just asked me a question about porn in schools. And so I may just go on forever. So um, because I'm a person that 
and I'll be quite upfront and honest with you. I used, I, I loved um, doing FOIAs for all the sex education in the school district. And I used to kind of poo poo the people that were bringing up the books in the schools until I really started to look into it. And when I found out how deep and wide and to the extent the pornographic erotica material is in our schools and not just in California, as bad as California is, our red states have some of the worst um, books and libraries full of this stuff. And we're getting ready to put out a piece on why you should care, why you should care because people are like, oh, that's one book. So what? It's a paragraph. It's really not pornography. It is that bad. It is pornographic materials in school in erotica, which studies show can be even worse. And so we are on a mission to get policies passed to help parents remove the really explicit, vulgar books from school libraries that our tax dollars are paying for. And so it is much deeper and wider than one ever thought, including myself. And I've been in this work for a long time. And so I really wanna encourage people to go visit our website, takebacktheclassroom.com, where we show you what is in your, your school district in their library. And we show you excerpts and pictures from the actual books. So you can't argue about it. Um, that's what it is. And if you're okay with it, then go ahead. Don't do anything else. But if you're not okay with it, you're complicit. If you know this is in these schools and you're not doing something about it. Absolutely. It's, it's the stats show how harmful it is to children to be exposed to this at an early age and the negative side effects it has on both um, boys and girls is just through the roof. But Greg, this is something you kind of dealt with with your local school district up at um, near the Capitol. And so, Greg, you dove in and started helping with the school district and Karen, you did as well. So, Greg, can you explain what you firsthand saw at your local school district? Yeah, I mean, I, I work in, I live in the Elk Grove School District. It's a pretty, it's like the fifth busy, biggest in California. Um, you know, I think it's 60,000 kids. And there were some moms who were already going down uh, to the school district and they had found really pornographic books, um, you know, that were, were beyond, I mean, I, and I, when I say pornographic, I mean, with pictures, of sex acts, um, de detailed descriptions of rape and incest and violent sexual stuff that is not in any way uh, necessary. Um, and, and I had started to notice this in my own when I had a child that was going, these are AP, was going to AP English. And I, she brought home a book I'd never heard of and uh, from class and I started thumbing through it and I started seeing some graphic sexual descriptions of <laughs> genitalia. And I go, what, what is this? And so I actually contacted the school district. I contacted the library, uh, not the librarian, but the, the principal. And I, you know, uh, to actually, I had typed out how graphic, uh, typed out the text, how show how bad it was and the email server to the principal wouldn't let me send the email because the, the material was too graphic. So I had to take a picture of it. And so many times when parents say, hey, there's porn in the schools, most people, oh yeah, you're probably exaggerating, you know. So what parents have ended up doing is going down to the school district, bringing the books with them, blowing up the pictures, and then reading it 
to the school district. And they've been um, because it's obviously pornography. And we've been doing that in Elk Grove, but sadly, Elk Grove is still wants to let the librarians be the deciding factor on what books get in, in, the, in the libraries. And they're letting all this stuff in. And so, but I know Karen, you have come up with a solution to that because ultimately, you know, we don't want to put the decision on what books in the, are in the schools to professional librarians. We want to make uh, our elected officials accountable for the books because then parents can vote them out if, if they make terrible decisions. And so you have worked, I know, to come up with a policy that you have one school district already passed. So I'd love to hear more about that. What What is this policy um, and, and how are you uh, enabling parents to remove these books? Well, thank you, Greg. And let me share, um, Elk Grove parents did get a book removed that I'm, I was very pleasantly surprised at. So I want to encourage parents, you need to get out there and challenge books under the current policy as you work to change to make the policy more accountable to the community. So a couple of things I want to cover. What people don't understand is that what this stuff is, they wonder how did it get in the school? We just have to go read it and then these, these librarians will get in trouble. No, because over 40 states have exempt public school libraries from the obscenity laws. So what is considered obscene and what you would get in trouble and arrested for showing a minor child at a, at a park is okay to have in your school library or classroom. And so that's where that problem comes. So you've got to have a process where these books are looked at, reviewed. And typically, a majority of school districts across the nation, they have a policy that is written by the American Library Association, which is not our friend, and they believe there should be no age limits, no, no um, boundaries whatsoever on the sexual content minors get to access at school. And so we have written a policy instead of the librarian and the little committee that thought the porn was good in the first place that put the book in the school, I don't need them to review it. They already thought it was a really good idea. So our policy, which has been vetted by legal groups, and if you work with us, we can get you a legal letter, several legal letters from legal groups saying that it is um, constitutional because the ACLU is starting to come after school districts now, which is why it's important that your strategy and your policy be able to withstand legal scrutiny. And one of the things that this, this policy does is it immediately removes the book that is challenged for sexually explicit materials. It's very specific. It has to be sexually explicit, obscene content removes the book for 45 days, and within 45 days, the school board, it can be in two weeks, it can be in seven days, but within 45 days, that book has to go before that school board, and that school board, who's elected by the people in the community, they vote either, yes, this is appropriate for our community, or no, it isn't. If it is, the book goes back. If it isn't, the book is removed from every single um, school district um, book or, or school in that school district. And that's how it should be done, not by these librarians who are pushing porn. And you would be surprised, you would really be surprised at the conservative areas where there is an incredible amount of graphic. And the other thing Greg mentioned, I hate to have to buy these books. It kills me as a nonprofit that we're spending donor money buying these books. 
But it kills me even more to think that other moms and dads have to go buy these. And so on our website, that's why we we actually buy the books, we highlight them, and we have parents that are just downloading for free the pictures and the excerpts from the books, and they can take that to the school board and read it so that you don't have to give these companies any more money. Yeah, that's so necessary. I know we've worked with some mom groups that are, they're torn. We don't want to spend money. We don't want to give money to these books, but we, we think it's also powerful to be able to read from it and at the school board meetings. So that's phenomenal that you guys um, offer that on your website. Another thing is, so we have the policy that you've put together. You get the mamas and the dads that are mad. I don't think there's anything scarier than an upset mama when she finds out what her children are reading in the schools. They will go, they read this, the books at the school boards. They're upset. They don't know exactly what to do. So what is the best way for them to work on maybe asking their board to put the policy on the agenda or how's the best approach for these moms and dads that aren't sure how to go about it? Well, please have them contact our organization because we just um, appointed someone as a school board liaison. This is what we are doing. California, different states are different. I'm working with a, a majority school board in Illinois. And so this is really exciting. Um, they're a 7-0 in the state of Illinois for a really good library policy. So that, that's very exciting. So we're happy to work with you because there is strategy. There are First Amendment legal issues to this. And so you can't just object to any book that you wouldn't want your child to read. And so on our website, we also have a toolkit that kind of explains that so that you don't get your school district in trouble or if they pass a good policy, it's not overturned because of the PICO case or because of some other reasons. And so you you need to be really um, wise about implementing a policy. But two things, we want you to work on getting our policy implemented. And in California, that's really easy because any citizen can put an, an, an agenda item dealing with school boards, um, school board policy on a school board meeting. And so we work with boards putting it on there. But in the meantime, you can work on challenging the book under the current guidelines, which are terrible, and that shows the need for the new policy. The other thing it does is I think this issue is the issue that will flip school boards. If you have school boards that look at this stuff and they say, yeah, we're okay with the librarian saying this stays in the school, you need to get that school board out of a position of power with your children. You can't trust them with anything if they're saying this stuff is appropriate for minor children and for our tax dollars. And so I think this is the issue that's gonna be flipping school boards across the nation. I think that's such an important point. These parents need to remember that the school board members, they are elected officials. So put them on the spot, bring things, these things to them. And then if they choose not to discuss the pornography happening in schools, when the election comes up, make sure your community is aware that they don't think that that's an issue. Um, we've seen also a lot of backlash on this topic. A lot of people are trying to say, okay, if you want, first of all, they're calling it banning books. So let's start with that. Can you explain why this isn't a banning of books across the nation? And why just removing Well, that? I'm really more interested in banning porn pushers. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the perspective I'm taking. It's, it's, I don't know how they're banned if somehow I have my hands on them and they're in the library. So that's that's kind of my first response is, I think we all agree Playboy doesn't belong in the schools. There is a line in the sand. And I believe pornographic materials 
that you cannot hand out at a public park to a minor should not be provided to that minor in the school district. And so I don't even give that a lot of credit because it isn't true. And so I don't even want to give credence when they call me that. They can call me any name they want. If they are advocating, and that's why we actually have pictures from the books and excerpts. If they're advocating for that, I have no problem skipping over what they're calling me and saying, tell me why you want to push porn. Tell me why you want tax dollars to pay for porn. Tell me why. And I, I'm just not even buying it. I'm not even, I don't need to defend it. They need, we're on the offense on this issue. And that's what I'm loving about, especially after all these years being in the, um, in the business of defending family values and, and Greg, and you mentioned it, Sonia, about our policy on parental notification on gender, um, gender transitioning at school. We are on the offense for the first time in years. And the other side is having to defend why they want to keep secrets from parents, why they want to spend taxpayer dollars on minor children um, reading graphic rape scenes to a 14 year old. And so I don't even address that anymore because they're pushing porn and they should be answering for why they want to um, use tax dollar money to push porn and erotica in our schools when they can't even read and write. Exactly. Yep. And, and what I love is that this has become a national issue. It's actually now part of the presidential campaign. Um, there was a recent debate between Governor Newsom and Ron DeSantis from Florida. And Ron DeSantis actually pulled out a picture uh, from one of the books that you've been uh, talking about and, and says, hey, Governor Newsom, don't you think, do you think this belongs in schools? Putting him on the spot. <laughs> And he and he, what is his response? That's not in the schools. Yeah, he didn't, he, and, in other words, he didn't know, but he had no defense. And I know Ron DeSantis has got some work to do in his own state and <laughs> getting rid of those books. But the fact that it's part of the, a presidential debate means you are having an impact. We are having an impact. Oh, absolutely. And that's why I love it. I'm so excited for 2024 because that's what we're going to be working on, because this is how, especially in a state like California, the bottom up is how we're going to change everything going on in Sacramento. And the more we equip and empower the parents at the local level, the more educated they are, the more they start to hold their, once they hold their school board accountable, they will go hold city council and their assemblyman and senator um, accountable. And that's what I found. So I feel like this is crucial for the conservative movement to equip and train at the local level what is going on and yes you mentioned that at the presidential debate and i am i'm so I, I was so excited to see it the one thing that frustrates me and greg you know me well so you know um i can get frustrated easily i don't like it when parents are given the idea that their school is safe and red states are not safe because you can have all of this stuff on curriculum all of these ed codes on curriculum all of these standards, and that's what both Newsom and DeSantis said. Oh, this isn't part of our standards. True. But librarians and the books they pick and the AP books that English teachers pick have nothing to do with standards and nothing to do with ed code. They're done totally separate. And so these books are in Tennessee, even though we have a law against it. They're in Florida. They're in Idaho's terrible. They're, they're all over. Gender Queer, which was the book he brought up, is in several schools in Florida. And you can see that on our website. So it is not going to be the politicians that fixes this. It's us, the moms, dads, grandparents, all of us at the local level challenging these books, um, educating the public that they really are there. Because I run into people all the time. They go, oh, it's not in my school. I have a Christian principal. 
It is in your school. I promise you they're in your school district. Absolutely. And when we've even seen this, Greg um, has seen this as well at the Capitol and at the local level, when you stand up against these books, sometimes you're told you're anti-LGBTQ and you're just trying to erase that. Greg, you've always had a great response um, on that situation. If you just want to share kind of your knowledge on that with the parents listening. You have to remind me exactly what wise thing I said, right? <laughs> There's so I many, think, uh, There are so many. Yeah. <laughs> well, because they claim that we're just trying to get rid of stories about the LGBTQ movement. Right. I mean, in, in here, in here in California, there is our sex ed, you know, requires all sex acts to be treated on an equal basis. Right. And so if, you know, especially in sex ed, right. That's why they're, you know, and, and so that's, that is a problem, but what we're, what these books are about is pornography. It doesn't matter if the book is, uh, come, the pornography is in a book, designated as LGBT or it's for, you know, uh, folks who are opposite sex attracted. It doesn't matter. Pornography is pornography. There should be equal standards across the board. There's no excuse, right? And so that's why you have to keep reading these books in front of them because they will, and we've had this problem. Listen, we, we knew this kind of stuff was coming when they passed the health framework um, a couple of years ago. And, but we couldn't, and we we come out and say, "Hey, these books are graphic." And they and the and their uh, government, you know, folks will come out and say, "No, they've been reviewed by our experts, and they're all, um, you know, they're all age appropriate." And so we said, "Well, okay, is this age appropriate?" But you couldn't show the books on TV <laughs> because the, it was too graphically sexual, right? And yeah. so that's the battle we have, and that's why. You know, we've had to resort to actually reading the books in testimony and, and showing the pictures because nobody, they, they get away with lying. And, and so you right. have to expose it. And let me give you kind of a story about that. When we went down to Chino Valley Unified School District, we, um, and this is where CRI will help you um, craft the messaging, craft everything that goes on at the school board meeting. We picked the books that are in Chino Valley Unified Schools. Every person that got up and read, the first thing they did was talk about the, the three or the two or the four schools this book is in. And then they read from the book. All of it was very graphic. The other side got up and said, oh, you just don't want to talk about black people or whatever they would say. You know, you're homophobes, whatever they you know would get up and say. We didn't go off our message. We got up, said this book is in this school and we read. The progressive board member on that board turned to Sonia Shaw and said, Sonia, would you take me to the libraries? These books are disturbing. I want to see if they're really in our school district. And that's the beauty. You don't have to answer their criticism. You just need to keep talking about what is in the school. And I don't care if the naked picture is of a boy doing oral sex with a boy or a boy doing oral sex with a girl. It's obscene and doesn't belong in the schools. And right. you should be asking yourself, why are you targeting those kids so much with pornographic materials? Again, we're on the offense. You tell me why you want only that community getting these graphic pictures. What does that say about you, Senator Weiner? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw it in. <laughs> nope, exactly. And so as we kind of wrap up here, 
Um, Karen, you touched on that it doesn't matter if you're in a red state or a blue state. And I think we even see that here in California. A lot of people will say, well, I'm in a conservative little town. It's not happening here. And yes, it is. And so you um, have an amazing setup on your website where it's actually dove into some um, school districts and shows what books are in those districts. And so can you explain how people can look into that or how they can add to that? Yes. Absolutely. Go to takebacktheclassroom.com and we are adding school districts and states. Just in the last seven days, we added over, we added or updated over 400 school districts with books across the nation. And we almost doubled the amount of school districts we're covering in California. And so contact us. We are working, if your school district isn't on there, we are working with different teams to do the research for us so we can upload it onto our website. I assure you, I can't tell you every day I hear, it's not in our school district. I talk to the person, I look it up, and then I tell them, nope, here are just three off the top of my head that are sitting in your school district. And so it's important that you start doing the work. The other thing is that we are finding multiple copies of many of these books, and that's telling me that they're being used as curriculum, but it's a way to get around showing curriculum to the parents. And so we will be um, exposing that at the beginning of the school year that school districts are doing that. So go to takebacktheclassroom.com, look for your school district. If it's not on there, just email us. We'll get you on one of our training calls. We're doing several a week. We'll have you looking up your school district. We've got several people, our Florida people live in several other states that are looking up all the Florida schools. And so if you've got time on your hands and you care about this issue, let us know. The more volunteers we have looking this stuff up, the more we can get the word out and, and the more parents can get engaged in what's going on in their kids' school. Amazing. And so take back the classroom, go check out the website. And then um, I know a lot of the mom groups, they're on Instagram nowadays with their little accounts. So what's the best way to find you on Instagram? Yeah. It's at kitchen table, uh, the kitchen table activist. Go there because we've just started doing a new release. We're doing a lot on the books. But we're doing a new release called The Dirty Little Secret, and it's exposing why, how they're getting around little um, little lies that they tell parents, or um, we're, we're really kind of exposing the, the secret ways they're getting around some of this stuff. And so I want to encourage your viewers to go there, stay, you know, like our Instagram, and keep watching it. We're, we're focused almost exclusively, but not totally, but exclusively on the pornographic books in schools and how to empower parents to get them out. Exactly. Well, Karen, we love always being able to work with you and Capital Resource Institute, whether it's lobby days at the Capitol, or whether it's pairing together for the parent notification policy and going to the school districts. But we're grateful for you and all the work you are doing. And Greg, I will hand it off to you if you have any final thing to say. I would just like to say thank you, Karen, for your dedication. Um, you've spent a lot of, you've spent uh, a long time uh, thing committed to this when I've seen many parents who get involved to get burnt out and then they move yeah. <laughs> They're like I'm done but you have stayed in the fight and you've been inspiring people for a long time so I just want to thank you for doing that um, you know uh, and we've all benefited and I'm, I'm sure many many families have benefited from your work as well so God bless well, you I say thank you. And God doesn't need me. He doesn't need us. I was reminded of this Sunday, that last Sunday at church, but I am so blessed that he called me to join in this and join with you guys. And so he doesn't need us, but he's called us to it. And that's, that's a blessing. I'm excited and I'm excited for 2024.
Yes, there you go. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. And just like we said last episode, share this episode around. People need to hear it. People need to be aware. And go ahead and check out Take Back the Classroom.